Good evening, good evening, good evening, and welcome back to another episode of The Soul Citizens. I am your co-host, uh, Griffin Gaming RPG, along with my fellow co-hosts. Uh, let's see, we've got today, We, as you guys know, we, uh, we're going to be talking about uh, Aliens in the Verse. And uh, hopefully you guys are getting pumped up for that because it's going to be an interesting show. Uh, but I want to bring on and introduce, uh, for those of you who've never seen or met them before, very first person I'm going to introduce is uh, the man himself, the professor, our authoritarian and the uh, Soul Citizen team, Mr. Kimmy65. What's up, Kimmy? 07 to you, Gaming Griffin RPG. 07 to you, Fast Cart. My guys are in the house. We're ready to rock. Welcome, chat. Let's do this. Aliens in the verse. I'm excited. <laughs> awesome. Hey, Silky, good to see you. Thanks for hanging out with us tonight. And Hypergame, thank you for dropping in on a Sunday. And we will also, for those of you who don't know, the ambassador of Star Citizen, the man himself, Fastcart FC. What's up, Fastcart? I'm doing well. How about you? I'm doing okay. You know what? This is one of those Sundays. I, I don't know. Usually I kind of have a panicky week. Like last week I had, I had to do a Zoom conference like, and it, that ended like literally 30 minutes before we had to get together for this show. But this week it was a cruise. I just went over, took care of my mom, came home around 3 o'clock and chilled. Worked on some of the graphics for the show today. And it's been like a really nice easy Sunday. Kimmy must have been thinking about me because we got some Florida weather in chicago it was like 75 degrees here today yeah it was, it's warm here nice. yeah yeah one of those days where you can kind of open the window when you're driving and get a little breeze or open the door in the house and get some fresh air so i'm I, today was great i'm and i'm off tomorrow so I, I can chill this is like the biggest thing i have to do and this is no work because it's fun hanging out with you guys so this is uh this is all good it's all good and of course hanging out I, with I just, you guys in chat mm -hmm. i just want to say i can't wait to talk about canadians Aliens in the first. Uh, <laughs> oh, <laughs> oh there you go. He's starting hey, already. Hey, chat. We, you, you notice Griffin uh, gave us monikers here. Uh, he called me the professor. He called FC the ambassador. And we got to give him one. He's the hardest working man in mm -hmm. on the internet. I was going to say he did, he, he did the, the director. Mm -hmm. Cole Griffin did the, the director. <laughs> not me. Not the hardest working man. Trust me. There's a lot more jokers out here working harder than me. Paul Shelley. <laughs> anyway. <laughs> I don't know how that brother turns out videos like he does. I, that's like a job. I'm doing it. Well, I'm, technically, yeah, it is. Yeah. Money from it. Yeah. Know. Holy smoke. You know what? I'll be real, man. I'm like, man, wait a minute. It's. Are people cleaning their house, they streaming so damn much. Dude, I don't <laughs> know, man. Yeah, I mean, don't get me wrong. I I appreciate the effort, streaming, but it's man. a lot of work, man. You know, but all the editing. I mean, it's one thing to record I'm it, like, but you got to go back and yeah. edit it, create graphics, do all that stuff. I mean, sometimes, I mean, I'm sure some of you guys out there in chat, you guys know that uh, it's not easy being a streamer. I mean, we're here because we enjoy doing it. We're not here trying to make a big buck or anything like that. We just really... Feel like we have something to contribute to the community. We're not. We want it's to do passion, it. though. No, no, we definitely here for the bucks. I can tell you that. Now you can look at our PayPal account. That'll tell you right there. But oh, it's definitely passion. But, yeah. Not pay, but passion. Yeah, it's definitely the fact that we love it, and we like hanging out with each other too. So yeah, colossal. I know the Florida weather came up from you guys. Yeah, I know. Don't let me get started on Florida, and you know what I mean when I say that. All right. So anyway, we um. We are going to talk about aliens in the verse today. And before we get into that, let me the show's gonna be in two parts. First part is gonna be us giving you guys some background and history on the on the aliens that we know about. And then we're going to talk a little bit about, about the ones we don't, and then we're gonna get into one of the SELs where the lore team really went into in-depthness about 
um, the aliens and the verse and things we can kind of look forward to. Um, so let's, um, let me present this as a question. Now, my buddies who are here don't know everything I'm going to ask them. They were a little bit prepped, but they were only about maybe 40% prepped on the question I'm going to ask them. So, and chat, you guys can chime in. I would love to see your votes on this question that I'm going to present to them. So here, here's the question. Okay, get ready. All right. The picture that's on the screen right now, my question is, how will we as citizens in the game distinguish when we have run into aliens or when we have quote unquote run into creatures? Now, before you answer that question, let me give you some background here. You know, there's a, there's a, of course, there's, a, there's always the discussion of how did man evolve, right? Some people believe we were created. Some people believe that we evolved over a period of time. I'm going to go with the evolution piece for now. doesn't mean that's what I agree with or disagree with, but I just want to use that as a model. If you go by evolution, and if someone had come to our planet some centuries beforehand and saw us when we were somewhere between an amoeba state and a primate state, they may have looked at us and said, look at those creatures, right? and said they're nothing but creatures and we're gonna just take over their world space clown thank you for the two-month amazon prime oh, thanks for kicking off the day for us clown thank you so much so here's my question how will we know when we go to these different planets in the systems how will we distinguish what's a creature and what's an alien particularly when it's one that we don't know anything about we know about the banu we know about the 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 Taveran. but what happens when you run into that thing that you've never seen before how will you personally distinguish it will it because it spoke to you what if it doesn't speak and you guys can answer that uh let me go with fast card he raised his hand first so go ahead fast card what, what's your answer to that yeah, when you first raised the question, the priest, y'all were like, uh, what's the difference between sentience and sapience again? I had to, I had to, I had to look, look it up to remind myself. But mm -hmm. sapience is um, thinking and sentience is feeling. So um, most creatures can feel, so that'll be sentient. Mm -hmm. But we don't know about um, whether or not they, they, can, they can think or not, which is sapient. And, you know, the, how do you tell whether or not a creature is thinking or not? And you can, you can say, like, if they can use tools, they can use fire, they can use weapons. Uh, if, if they can use weapons, they're probably um, intelligent and, and, and sapient rather than, rather than they would make them an alien versus a creature, in my opinion. Okay. Now, Kimmy, based on what he just said, remember that scenario I said, what happened if the aliens had come here several thousand years before we started handling tools and weapons and decided yes. to stomp us in the ground? Would hmm. they be right for doing that? If they came and took over our world because we had not evolved any further? What do you think? Do you think that um, that we have the right to do that in the universe? Well, we have the right to go mm -hmm. see some quote-unquote creature's planet and take over. That's funny you say that, uh, Griff. It, you know, having the right to do certain things and with the lore, there's the fair act chance mm -hmm. of things. So, with that said, and how we look at uh, sci-fi in itself... And can, you, wait, wait, can, can you explain the fair act to some people? Because some people may not know about the fair act. Oh, Okay, yeah. So basically, fair act is when you discover or when the UEE has deemed a planet that has uh, teeming life in it, uh, that there's, there's these particulars that they do to, to look at the life forms and, and decide to say, well, they're on the path to sentient life. Mm -hmm. And so you have to give them the fair chance to evolve. And so with fair act chance, you, you have to make sure that you do things that will not interrupt their life path into evolution. So 
that's kind of the gist of what the FAIR Act chance is all about. So they set parameters and, and strict guidelines as to what you do on that planet. Basically, you and, leave those be those organisms alone and you give them their uh, their fair chance to evolve. The TLDR, the, the, the FAIR Act chance, the FAIR Act is like basically the UEE version or the Star Citizen version of the Prime Directive from Star Citizen, from Star Trek. And, and that's all fair and good for those planets yeah. that happen to fall under UEE jurisdiction. But what happens when we go outside of that? And I'm not asking you, I'm not asking you what should happen. I'm asking you in general, do you think it'll be fair game? Do you think it'll be up to the discretion of the players? Or do you think we will do like humans often do when we find some place we want to occupy? We kind of just mow folks down. What do you, what well, do you think will happen? Well, based on that picture you showed, those are predators, <laughs> man. <laughs> <laughs> you I'm not going to stand there and say, well, based on the, the, the fair act chance, uh, I'm going to let this, the, this, this Yeti be slap me, or I'm going to let this, this space crab pick me apart and let the babies do their thing to me. Okay. Okay. So, <laughs> so, so, so what's your, rea well, your reaction? If you're getting ready to land and you saw either one of those down in the area where you're going to land, get the hell out. would you leave or would you decide to go ahead and say, I've traveled all this distance? I heard there's some serious Laronite on this planet. Them suckers are about to get toasted. Which one do you think you would do? It's a business decision, right? So you're basically mm. putting forth to me it's a business decision. Mm. So not a moral, not a moral decision. Not a moral decision. It's a business decision, huh? Right. Well, okay. <laughs> it's a business decision. I just want to know. I just want to make sure we clear. You put Laronite in front of me, Griff. <laughs> so you, <laughs> you, you put Laronite in front of me. Mm, you, 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 you made colonizer. a business decision. You colonizer. Okay. Go ahead. I hear you. So. You know, with that said, I do not want to deal with the death of the spaceman. In, okay. None of us. Okay. And so whether it's, it's us, we're not going to deal with, we don't want to deal with death of the spaceman. We're going to look at each other and talk amongst ourselves and try mm -hmm. to decide some things. But if we got the red shirt NPCs, that's a different story. They go out and <laughs> scout and see what's going on and uh, report back once you do. And then you hear the screams, the blood cur curdling screams out uh, outside the ship and say, well... It's not worth it. Mm. That's a good point. The only way though, I would go out, and if I see that, if I see that Yeti, I, I would, I would need a, a, a lightsaber so I can cut off his arm. But otherwise, I'm getting the getting the heck out. So mm. no, I'm not gonna mess with him. If it's like you know, if 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 it's, if it's nighttime, they're sleeping, or they're, they're like daytime creatures, so I can come in come in at night and sneak in. Maybe it, it depends on how many people I, I bring with me or stuff like that. They can cover cover me while i'm there but if I'm by myself nope. well it's nope. interesting because i'm looking at what colossal typed into chat and colossal's uh kind of spanking us a little bit here he says what if it happens to be the only being left on its planet shame 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 i'm gonna <laughs> live on this planet i'm living the only being on the planet how, how how is it reproducing it can't be the only no 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 i think no i think he's just saying what if they're the last of their species what if they are that's they're, they're indigenous to that planet and that's their land and you stumble across them i mean yeah you know i'm curious he says shoot first beg for forgiveness later is that it no that's not well, me. when he says that's shoot first i mean it's it comes with the premise of are they hostile you know what if they're defending their land man you they come up there and see you digging and you mining and stuff and they're well, who are oh, these yeah. jokers that showed up what, what's up with that right <laughs> Well, even though the creatures are already there, I have discovered. No, I'm kidding. I'm not going to go there. 
No, if it's a, if, if, if they're defending the land, I would understand that and, and not mess with them. But how will you know if that, you can't communicate? If you can't communicate, how will you know? If they can't, I mean, if they're t trying to attack me and but, I'm like within point is, distance of but, them, but that, my, that, that's, that's a fair amount of communication. But, in my true, opinion, but my, my point opinion. is, but my point is, animals are often predatory, and so are and so are sentient or, but, as you mentioned, sapient beings. So how will we distinguish? I guess that's my question. And the reason why I'm laying this out, yes. guys, I'm, I'm challenging my partners here because I'm stimulating the conversation for later, which is that we know what CIG has told us that they would like to put in the game, but there's a lot of stuff that we don't know that they're going to put in the game. Yes. And, I, and to Kimmy's point, there are a lot of people who are in the verse for business. They are out there to survive. And there's nothing wrong with that because the, the verse is a very hostile place. And then there are other people like Fastcart who might decide to say, I don't know enough about this moon or this planet. Um, that crab looks pretty big and it looks like he's looking at me. So I think I'm going to go to the next moon. There, there are going to be all these decisions that we're going to make. And let me tell yes. you, wait till the first time somebody lands on somebody's planet and they lose big time. You know what I mean? I'm talking about like some jokers come with their Idris with about 60 people thinking they're going to clean house and the house cleans them and leaves their Idris <laughs> down there empty. I can't wait. Yeah. I can't wait until that story goes through the system about some org who went to some planet thinking that they were going to conquer it and they got conquered themselves. So sandworm. Oh, dude. <laughs> sandworm. <got> sandworm. <laughs> yeah. So um, and we and we did see one, right? We did, right, Kimmy? We saw mm -hmm. one in, in 2016. We saw a sandworm. Oh so, God, um, yeah. Yeah. And, so and and, and, I, and I, I I saw I saw some people jump when a sandworm came up and surprised yeah. them. I'm like, okay, okay. There's jump raiders. They were just going across the sand and their, their land speeders or whatnot. <laughs> it was just mm -hmm. like they were in pursuit. Mm -hmm. And out of nowhere, they became, they were on the buffet. <laughs> <Man>. <laughs> yep. So anyway, that was our whole question about, um, about differences between creatures <laughs> and what will we be determining as, as aliens. I just wanted to kind of throw that out there to the guys just to tease them a little bit. But I also wanted to tease you guys um, uh, who are watching. Um, we're gonna, what we're going to do now is kind of give you guys a quick overview of the different aliens that we've been told by CIG or that are going to exist in the game. And Kimmy's going to read some. I'm going to read some. Fastcard's going to read some. There's a little bit of reading here, so bear with us. This first part is going to be a little introduction, and we'll give you a little history on each one of them. And then, um, of course, if you have questions and stuff, feel free to toss them into chat for us, and hopefully we can, we can answer them. Admiral Kusanagi, good to see you. Thanks for coming. Gladestone, Admiral. I saw you walk in. Chain Dragon. Good to see you, buddy. Good to see you, buddy. All right, so why don't we go ahead and kick it off? Let's see with our first one. Hopefully this will come up if my thing works right. Let me give some background history. Many of you guys might recognize this character here. I'll let uh, Fastcart or Kimmy say who it is that they see on screen. Once it pops up, it takes a couple seconds for them because it's a little bit delayed. Well, if, it, if it's going in order, I'll, I'll just start. But No, 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 it's it, not in order. It's not in order. That's uh, why I told I'm you all wait. over this one right yeah, here. Yeah. Okay, this... Kimmy, who is that? This started with me with Chris back in the day. We're talking Wing Commander. This is the Kilrothi. Not according to Admiral Kusanagi. Look who he says it is. Yeah, he said it right. Kilrothi. No, he said Mufasa. Oh. <laughs> I'm sorry. Oh, so oh my God. <laughs> oh, I didn't see that. Admiral, <laughs> shame. <laughs> shame, Admiral. All right, so go ahead, Kimmy. Finish telling oh, us the background so on this real quick. Who was who was this? This was this was this was uh this was a game changer for me. And, and 
when I go back in time of playing Wing Commander and Chris basically made me go under the hood of my 386 SX 16 megahertz computer and put in one meg stick. And then he made me buy the speech pack so that I could hear the Kilrothy speak. But this was the, this was the, uh, these were the big bads for uh, Wing Commander at the time when they were having the war and who you were really fighting uh, to, to, to go against toe-to-toe in the, in the Wing Commander games, the very first Wing Commander. And you had to get the speech pack to hear your wingman speech uh, uh, speak as well as the kill, hear, hearing the Kilrothy speak uh, at the same time. But these are cat-like uh, beings who, who've evolved and were ver- not just sentient, but very intelligent, and they were warlike. Mm-hmm. And so, so they saw mankind as a threat, and then they went to war. Thank you. Very good background. Fast cart. Next picture. Kimmy gave us the Wait, background. On them. This came up from Wing Commander. For those of you guys who remember Wing Commander, later on when Chris makes the movies, he takes it a little bit further and develops them a little bit more. And then we get this image Oh, yeah. Here, right? <laughs> okay, Fast Card, <laughs> can you talk about that one a little bit? Just a little bit. Uh, this is like... I want to say 1999 or 2000, but yeah, they had the Wing Commander movie. It was, I think it was Chris Roberts' first movie, mm-hmm. and um, and you know they had they didn't have quite the budget that they that they wanted to have. So the, and the art director and some other people clashed about what, what they wanted the karate to look like. So they wound up looking like this, and people were some some people were not happy. I mean, to me, I mean, at the time they might have looked better, but you know they look kind of cheap if you look back on it now. But uh, yeah, so I mean. It, it, it advanced the story, and, and you, you get the idea of what they wanted to do, but they didn't quite hit the, hit their mark. Mm-hmm, exactly. If only they had Andy Circus back then. But this was back in 90, 1999. Yeah, this was all, practi- all practical effects, you know, back at the time. But the reason why I'm, I'm highlighting this is because aliens have always been a central part to Chris's stories when he's made his games. And, uh, yes. you know, a lot of games that we play, um, I know when I came out of, uh, of Eve in particular, uh, even though there was lore about other races and other groups, the, the fighting, for the most part, always ended up being between human against human. Um, but I think that it's important that we do have these other races that we interact with, sometimes because of trade, because that was another thing that didn't happen in games like Eve. But I, I love the idea of being able to have trade with certain races and groups because maybe of the uniqueness of what they sell. Kimmy has talked about this before, that some systems you may go into, certain items may only be in those systems because of the uniqueness of those systems. Uh, whether you're doing battles and who you're fighting against, I, I think that there needs to be where you can set up who are the allies and maybe who are your enemies. So Chris has always kind of had this, this, these two universes that exist. And that's one of the reasons why we're talking about aliens today. Because a lot of times we've been so focused on org against org, but we've never really talked about what happens when it's you and you're confronting some new alien race. And they've told us in the game that there are going to be some races that we don't know about that we will literally discover. So just want to keep that in mind as we cycle through okay that's a good point uh griff mm-hmm. but th- but don't the aliens always set that mystique in the story that mm-hmm. that m- they it sets the groundwork for this mis- mysterious uh thing about them that we don't know and we we're always trying to know bits and pieces about them how they operate yep absolutely good point all right so let's take on our first one 
Um, and, and Fast Cart, I think this one is the one that you decided to pick. And we all know why Fast Cart may have picked this particular race. He is a, one of his favorite <laughs> ships. But uh -oh. uh, we're going to talk about the, uh, the, oh. the, the Banu. So, uh, Fast Cart, why don't you go ahead and... And by the way, you're going to see two images for all of the creatures that we've got so far. At least the ones we have images of. The first set of pictures are going to be usually concept drawings. And then the second ones may be concept drawings that came out later. Uh, yeah, I'm looking at the just so you, picture now. I, mm -hmm. I almost didn't recognize them. Yeah, just so you guys will know, that'll be the case. It'll always be like two images of each of the races that I'll pop up. Go ahead, Fast Cart. You can, you can start. Nice. Okay, so the Banu are alien race and humanity's first interstellar, interstellar friends. They are renowned for being focused on commerce and trading. Banu aligned star systems account for 7% of the known star citizen universe, which means that they govern six of the 90s known systems. That's small compared to the UEE's 42%. Within the governed space is just one of the four binary star systems, Bacchus, or one of the four star systems, Bacchus. All of the binary control systems contain high population. As traders and merchants, they are proactive about cultivating a commerce in their spaceland. It is not uncommon for Banu to build flotillas to support pockets of consumer traffic to encourage the development of trade hubs. From an economic perspective, they're holding their own, but only 30% of their system falling into low economic range. This is compared to 100% of the Vandal system and 70 plus percent of the history. Humanity's first interstellar friend, discovered by Nat Jumper named Vernon Tarr, who was out exploring and nearly started a war by taking a shot at the Vandal planet. We helped smooth that over. That Banu, as it turned out, was on the run from local officials for embezzling funds. One of our two, one of our two civilizations came once our two civilizations came together and signed the first interstellar peace and trade accord. We began to trade technology and help each other expand into the universe. Once they spread out, they formed the Banu Protectorate and to oversee all of their systems. The Banu are the traders, culture, culture hounds of the universe. That. Their planets are varied and colorful. Many tales in, of intrigue start with the murky valley of, of Banu city, cities. Okay, very good. Um, Fast Cart, let me ask you a question. You've always talked about your Banu merchantmen. Uh, are you interested in just the ship itself because of the history of the ship and what the ship is capable of? Or are you interested also just as much about the Banu as well? Uh, Kimmy is doing, doing, doing our thing. Don't think I didn't see you just there. I saw that. No, I, I am interested in, in the band. Some people like, like are crazy about the Zeon language and everything. Like I'm sure we're going to hit that later. Some people are crazy like that. I'm waiting for the Banyan language to come out, and I might try to. I'm not saying I'm going to learn it particularly, but I'm going to try to dive into it as much as, as, much as I'm able to. So I'm, I'm interested in more than just the features and what the merchantmen can do. I'm interested in, in the culture as well. Because, you know, what they say about the the, um, the merchantmen is that it's handed down through, you know, families or, or, or maybe hereditary or mm -hmm. stuff like that. So I definitely want to, like, you know, hold my own if, if I ever come across a, a banner in, in game and they're like, oh, you have a merchantman in there, or do, do a conversation that way. Okay, cool. You can earn a reputation point, probably. Very, very cool. Because, you know, because, I mean, if I ever do lose that thing, even though I have LTI and whatsoever on it, maybe I want a second one somehow. So, mm. that may help. Okay, cool. Okay, is this one on me? Did I, is this one of the ones I have to do, the Hadassians? Is this one me? No, you guys yeah. need to pick this one, right? Okay, cool. 
another race that was mentioned is the Hadesians, and I'm, I'm hoping I'm pronouncing that right, guys. Uh, there's no picture of this one. They're a race that, in, that this is in the past, that inhabited the Hades system until about 300,000 years ago when they destroyed themselves in a civil war. They possessed weapons of planetary destruction as evidenced by Hades IV. Hadesians were roundish, seven to eight feet tall in height. And their bulky central body had multiple thin appendages and a pair of long arms. Now, that's all that we know about for the lore for them. But I, I guess, and I'll throw this question to Kimmy before he reads his. Uh, Kimmy, the fact that they give us this bit about them, right? Do you think that, that there's a reason why? I mean, we know the Hades system is going to exist. But do you think that we will find some artifacts, technology, or maybe even find out that they're not as extinct? Uh, or, you know, or if they are extinct, do you think that there will be something in game? You know, because they gave us this, this piece of chunk of information. Exactly. Based on the description, uh, we expect to see them to some extent where they can maybe replaced out to some other area. Mm -hmm. And you kind of can recollect, recollect back on that description and say, wait, this is a Hadeshian. Mm -hmm. And say, well, wow. And maybe there could be some uh, interaction that they could lead you to some more artifacts. So we don't know, but that, that possibility still exists because they haven't closed the door on it, but for the fact that they've opened that up and said mm -hmm. that this exists in the verse and there is a possibility for this. And don't, and again, don't sleep on CR and SIG in that regard of them just, like you say, Griff, arbitrarily putting something out there just for the heck of it. Mm, good point, good point. One thing I want to put out is that they said that the Hadesians are around us and seven to eight feet tall. And they have multiple thin appendages with long, long arm. Maybe that crab is some form of addiction. <laughs> yeah, maybe. That's, no. a, that's a pretty big. That's a pretty big maybe. Well, here's the here's the thing that did stick out to me in the description, and when we're going to move on, because I'm gonna, I, like, I think Kimmy's got the next piece. It's the sentence where they said they possessed weapons of weapons. planetary destruction. They're, they're smart. Now I'm wondering what it is and whether we will find something in the game. Have a Death Star. Well, whatever. Basically. But, that, but I'm just saying, they, they, I mean, we always talk about how they don't put stuff in the mind. game unless it means something. And I mean, it could be just lore, yeah. right? It could be just myth or lore. But it would be really interesting if there is something on a technology level. Maybe it's not on a planetary level, but because they emphasize this thing yes. about them having weapons and being evidently warlike or very technologies really high, maybe there's something that we can gain in that system if we look hard enough you know bury whatever the case may be so yeah. anyway i'm going to move on because we got, we got a lot oh, okay, of stuff to go move on no, yeah, no go ahead fast car make it quick though because we got a lot of stuff to cover uh, i just had a quick question like if you, if you found a, a a weapon a planetary destruction weapon would you want would you want to use it on the van Jewel? no no that, that that's too yeah. what you bring down for that moment of satisfaction would probably not be a good thing uh that yeah. yeah, you're you're asking for it. <laughs> as far as I'm concerned, I don't know. If, I don't know if that's a good thing. And if you've got those suckers in multiple layers, you know, got dozens of them. But who knows, right? We we can get into that yeah. subject later. All right, uh, Kimmy, it's on you. With uh, I think we've got the Teverin right. next, if I'm not mistaken. Yes, the Teverin, or some of us call call it t t Teverin or Teverin, uh, are the first alien race that humanity waged war against, not just once but twice. And regarding their history. 
the UPE first established contact with the spacefaring civilization in 2541. While not as techno technology techno technologically advanced as humanity, the Taveran were beginning to strike out into the universe. They're proud, they're a martial type society. The Taveran wanted humanity's resources and launched an offensive against them. Wow. While the battlegrounds never threatened uh, Earth itself or Terra, what the Taveran lacked it, technically, they more than made up for in, the, in their strategic brilliance and endurance, causing the war to last over four years. But the turning point was the infamous battle of Idris IV, which introduced a young officer, Ivor Messer, to the populace of the UEE. You got to read about Messer, but after the Taveran defeat, the UPE terraformed the Taveran systems for human colonization. Uh, the remaining Taveran were either absorbed into the UPE or fled to the Banu or Xi'an systems. So in 2603, a new Taveran warlord, Korthal, emerged from the corners of the cosmos with a rebuilt Taveran battle fleet and launched his first attack against the UPE systems. Their sole mission was to reclaim Elysium IV, their former homeworld. While it was a sympathetic cause that some humans could support, the UPE wasn't about to give up territory, period. Uh, this war lasted seven years and touched almost every corner of the UPE. So on June 24, 2610, set, Korthal suffered a catastrophic defeat at the hands of Squadron 42. Oh, yeah at the Battle of Centauri. With his fleet rapidly falling to, the, to either the destruction or surrender, Korathal mustered his remaining loyal pilots to make one last desperate charge for Elysium IV. Though they suffered an additional 70% casualty, his fleet finally reached the atmosphere of their old homeworld. Then Korathal and his pirates Pilots <laughs> lowered their thermal shields and dove for the planet. With this second defeat, the spirit of the Taveran race was irrevocably broken. Imperator Messer II used the victory to cement his place as ruler of the newly Christian United Empire of Earth. Are you muted? Thank I'm you. I was. Muted. No, I was. Thank oh, you very much. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Um, one of the things about the Tavarin Tavarin that we know that we benefit from is their technology. We know that we've got the Prowler, and now we have the um, the Shrike coming in, right? And the uh, what's the ship called again, guys? I'm, I'm blacking out here. I just remember the Shrike and it's, the other one. Um, what's the name of that ship, guys? Oh come, on, come on, chat. What's the ship that's the coming Talon. out in December? The Talon. 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 <laughs> We're benefiting from. Their technology, and as you guys know, in the UEE, um, there's been a, a lot of, um, and we'll see this in the video later, they'll talk about the three different states that Taverans are with the UEE. Some people want to assimilate and be a part of the UEE. Some of them don't want to have anything to do with the M UEE, and some of them don't care about the UEE, but they are a part of the UEE. Uh, that was a nice read, Kimmy. Thanks. That was a lot, a lot there to take down, but thank you. Um, who's got the car stack? Is it, uh, is it uh, you, Pascar? Go ahead. I do. I do. Ready? Yep. Ain't no, ain't uh, no pictures, so go ahead. <laughs> no okay. pictures. Hey. 
Okay. Not the Kuntek anyway. are based on the idea of Eric Wingman Peterson. History. Humans have had no contact with the Kuntek. What is known to the UEE about the Kuntek comes from only from the Zeon. The Zeon and the Kuntek have been enemies for 700 years, and for the UEE to try to make contact with their allies' enemies is a difficult political decision well, in, in the works. Zeon probably arrested the freelancer Howler, Gent Gallen, in 2943 for session attempt. The Zeon emperor, emperor has been quoted stating the Kuntek are the enemy of the Zeon. The Kuntek have a long history of war with the Zeon. This conflict, known as the Spirit Wars, has lasted for 700 years. Okay, very cool. Um, this is one of those, one of the things that I wanted to highlight in here, and Fastcart read this, was this was based on an idea, for those of you who remember Eric Wingman Peterson, this goes way back. We're talking way Wingman's back. Hanger. And they developed this story about this particular race. Uh, we don't know anything very much about them beyond that paragraph that Fast Car read. No images, nothing like like Kimmy said, at least not yet. But understand, and, and some people have wondered whether or not there will be some inspiration here from the Cathari because of the way the name is spelt. Yes or no? Maybe not. Maybe it's another form of some cat people thing, or we don't know what they are. But it will be interesting to see if they pull that out of their hat and what they're gonna what they're gonna create that particular uh, race to be. Um, who's got Xion? All right, let's get into it. All right, the Xion. Uh, they're the second alien race to be discovered by the United Earth Empire. The first being the Banu. So the Xion are the masters of diplomacy in the Star Citizen universe. They are patient and refined, but can and will throw down if the situation calls for it. They live for centuries. They've lived for centuries. For, for, for this reason, propagation of the species is carefully monitored and directed by the government to prevent overcrowding. Sounds like China. While their placid demeanor can often be interpreted as aloofness or apathy, their long lifespan means that they act with decades in mind, not years. Very similar to a turtle. History. The Xi'an Empire became known to humans in 20. 30, when the Gaia uh, planet services attempted to terraform a planet without authorization. Turns out the planet wasn't uninhabited. A new race later, dis later to be discovered as the Xion Empire showed up while the terraformings were building, uh, building the equipment. Can you imagine that? This encounter immediately escalated in a 259-year Cold War. 2530 until 2789 in the darker era of the human history. The Imperator and govern government often used the Xi'an threat as a means to terrify their own citizens and swell the power of the military, McCarthy era in the 50s. Although neither side declared open war, there were many casualties on both sides from covert operations, sabotage, and espionage. Due to, due to their extended lifespan, wow, there are Xion from that era that are still alive. So can you imagine their mindset? Thanks for the sub, Chain Dragon X. Due to their extended lifespan, there are, there are Xion from that era that are still alive, such as Kray, the current imper, 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 emperor. <laughs> that was a tongue twister. He's the current emperor who negotiated the Daring Peace Accord with Senator Akari in 2789. 
the Shion and humanity have had a tumultuous relationship over the years. While the Shion have generally regarded humanity as short-sighted and impetuous, they have acknowledged our capacity to destroy and treated us accordingly. While their technology might seem superior to ours, it certainly looks nicer. Most of that is simply due to its alien origin. Our two civilizations are, are on relatively equal te technological footing. This ability for mutual annihilation is probably what kept either side from attempting an all-out attack. The Perry Line, 2789. This is a line of systems that acted as a no man's land between the UEE and the Xi'an, a neutral zone system. These systems, Tohill, Oya, Gerzel, Horus, Pallas, Hadar, Indra, and Virtus, became known as that Perry Line. After the peace treaty of 2789, that Perry Line was divided between the UEE and the Xi'an with Tohill. Oya, Gerzel, and Horus going to the UEE and Pallas, Hadar, Indra, and Virtus going to the Shion. So they divided it up. So there was basically a neutral, what you see as the neutral zone in Star Trek with the Romulans and the Federation. Uh, this, is that, this is that sort of thing, the Perry line, where there's a dividing area that it's split up between the two races to keep the peace. Very interesting. And, and one of the things that you mentioned, Kimmy, was about the technology that quite often people assume that because their technology kind of looks very cool and sleek, that it's maybe a bit more advanced than ours. Uh, but it's actually just more because it's alien more than, you know, it's better per se. Um, it is interesting to see, though, how they have combined. Is it Was it Aegis that they combined with to work on stuff? Mesh. Mesh. No, it wasn't Aegis. It was uh, the Reliant. Yeah, Who's, but they merged the with somebody. Was it Misk? Okay, Mitsu, Mitsu, whatever their name Mitz, is. Okay, Mitz, Misk, yeah. yeah. So they've worked with them to develop a, a hybrid uh, for their ships, which is what we see reflected in the um You see the, the uh, Shion and the Reliant kind of do the same thing, that vertical mm -hmm. positioning. Yep, yep, yep. That, and the Reliance and is probably one of the really good examples of that technology. You're right, Kimmy. That one is probably one of the better examples of their technology. Thank you. Thank you for that read. Okay. I want to add something real quick sure. before we go on. Sure. I'm going to make it real quick. Now, what they do say we're on equal footing, but we've yet to see the uh, Xion Scout and the Sentak Ya really perform six degrees of freedom or flight in space where it can vector on a dime, like a hummingbird or mm -hmm. some sorts. Mm -hmm. So we've yet to see that. Even though we're on equal, equal footing, uh, that advantage of flying that type of ship in uh, zero space is going to be incredible to see. Very good. Good point. And by the way, they did mention, CIG mentioned a couple shows back that they have started working on the characters for the Xion now. So that's the next one that's coming up, gang, is that we're going to hopefully see. We've seen some uh, Vandul stuff just recently. Hopefully we'll yes. see some, some Xion stuff. Uh, not much further behind that. So that, that would be very, very cool to see. Okay, now let's move on to, uh, let's say, the aliens of a little bit more infamy. And that <laughs> would be the, uh, the Vandul. Um, wow. Another anonymous gifter. Thank you for the two anonymous gifts, anonymous gifter. We really, really appreciate that as a community gift. Thank you. And Learnbird, as we said, thank you for the follow. Gladstone, okay. thanks for the sub, man. Thank All you right. so much. Okay, Gladstone the Vandul. <clears throat> pronounced Vandul, uh, or sometimes referred to as Dual, are a sentient nomadic living species of bipedals 
Male Vandul live on ships and form organized groups called clans or hordes. The Vandul made its first contact with humanity in 2681. Since these first encounters, they are usually aggressive toward other races, especially humans. All attempts of humanity. Doc, TK, thank you. Oh, 500 bits. Thank you so much. What? Thank you. Thank Doc. you. Oh, seven. The Vandul made first thank contact you. with humanity in 2681. Since these first encounters, they are usually aggressive toward other races, especially humans. All attempts of humanity to contact them peacefully have failed. After a big wave of attacks against the human settled sectors between 2681 and 2712, the fall of Caliban, Orion, and Virgil, they raided constantly UEE's western border territories. Their conflict with the UEE in the Tiber system over the following 250 years has led to millions of dead human soldiers and civilians. As a result of the recent attack on Vega 2, the UEE Senate declared formally an interspecies war against the Vandul on 2945-1111 and confronted them in the Oberon system in 2946 called Operation Mandrake. <clears throat> this image that we have on screen is one of the earlier uh, 3D images that we saw the yes. CIG put together. And then later, they would put together an image that was m much more realistic that we saw in a few of the clips. Uh, and this one is a little bit more of a vicious look for them. And I think this is kind of closer to where they are now in development. Um, the Vandul are basically our mortal enemies. Uh, evidently, according to history, UEE has made attempts to contact them, to negotiate with them to communicate with them and they don't want to have anything to do with us in fact in the description it says that humans are on the bottom of their food chain or their list they, they really don't care about us even though they are at odds with many other races there's also an aspect that the someone mentioned this in chat earlier that they do trade with the banu though from where other the banu have worked out something with them where they have some type of relationship even if it's nothing more than economic but um it seems that there is some type of that they can have a relationship with who they want to, or maybe when they feel like there's somebody that benefits them, and maybe they don't see humans as someone that they benefit from. FS card. Uh, just I have two things. I should say that as a result of attack on Vega Two, the Senate declared war formally. I believe that the Bishop Beach, and it, I, I'm not sure, but 2945, 11, 11 is probably the date of when the Bishop Beach went, went, on, went online on, on YouTube because that's like close to the um, anniversary sales that, 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 that um, I'm pretty, so I think that, that those two co correlate. The other thing is um, I have here, I think it was Chris Roberts, uh, uh, one of the law team or something like that, but the band duel are based on an on, 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 on historical group in, in, in life. It was either the barbarians or the hordes in, in, um, in history. So to have some kind of uh, um, real life um, interpretation, uh, inspiration, back to word, inspiration. That's, that's a very, very it's, good point. But Kimmy, were you going to say something? I'm sorry. It's very compelling. Uh, you guys make really great points from this race of alien who is considered to be our big bad in game. But some of the things that Sig mentioned and some of the things uh, hailing from the love letters of... Uh, sci-fi uh and, and 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 human nature as well uh for me and my perspective and taking all this in i don't see them as truly evil i see them as a force of nature i see them uh relative to what locusts do to fields of corn and grass 
they go from one area, suck the resources and move on. If you go back and hail back to the love letter of Independence Day, where you had these alien uh, or Oblivion, uh, those movies where you had these aliens that come in and see Earth as a uh, or the systems as resource pools where they just gather it up, suck them up and keep moving. And then the thing that you mentioned, uh, Griff, to to echo that further is that relationship with Banu and going back into the history of Banu and the two. What what are the things that are similar outside of them trading is that they will hodgepodge and patch together different cultures, technology to form their own simulation of what their tech is all about. Banu has been known to do that in their culture, uh, as well as the Vanduul in their technology and their ships and such. And another aspect of one of their ships that kind of uh, fall into that cadence of what this is all about. They have a harvester that comes and actually hits into the planet and then starts to suck the, the, uh, the resources out. It comes and basically <clears throat> strips the planet itself. It's called the harvester. So there you go. Dr. K, thank you, for, thank you for the 100 bits, Dr. TK. Sorry, Fast Cart. We appreciate it. Dr. Well, thank, thank you. Yeah, they also have the, the driller too. They did um, a trailer for that a couple of years ago. Mm -hmm. Yeah, absolutely. It, 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 like, it's like a minute long trailer, but it's like when you see it, it's like, whoa, that was yep. the first time I saw it. Yep. <laughs> um, uh, Chain Dragon asked the question. He said, are they meat eaters? Chain Dragon, I will throw the question back to you. With those teeth, what do you think the answer to that question is? <laughs> now, if, They're not vegetarians. If, if, if you're asking... Not with those teeth. Yeah. They, they, don't, they don't come for the uh, harvest of vegetables. <laughs> now, if you're asking, do they eat humans? That's a whole other story. I don't... That's nothing... There's nothing to I mention about that. Uh, but they are ferocious. I just dropped this picture in. I meant to put it in earlier and I forgot, but I just dropped it in. Just to sort of give you a perspective, their range is supposed to be around seven to eight feet in height as well. They're yes. definitely physically more dominating than a human being is. So yes, that will be what you have to deal with uh, when you happen to run into them somewhere. Uh, we were just talking about I, this on Friday's show. Uh, go ahead, Fast Cart. What were you going to say? I remember um, the Gillian Anderson behind the scenes uh, video four years ago. Um, the, the, when they showed when they showed Jillian Anderson what it, what it, what a bat what a banjo looked like, she was holding a, uh, a a gun that they were using as a prop, and she, and her first question was, "This is going to work on that?" Yeah, exactly. It was exactly that was <laughs> yeah. her that was her response. Yeah. And and the reason why we want to mention this for those of you who got the letter this week from uh, Fastcart and um, Kimmy talked about this on Friday, the Squadron Forty Two email. If you guys got that, make sure you open it. Don't ignore November it. November four. There is an animation in there that shows the Van Duel and how they look now with animation in Squadron Forty Two, and you get an idea. You'll see this is a very large alien. They also leap. For those of you who remember, they don't just run; great they distances. can leap great distances, yes. like probably. To me, it looks like they can leap anywhere from 8 to 16 feet, probably. Yes. So they will be an interesting foe. And as I think Kimmy mentioned this on Friday, if they've got on armor, you might have a chance. You might want to run. If they don't have on armor, you want to run. Yeah. So <laughs> Yeah, their body can resist space, the, the coals of space. Yes. Uh, they don't need any kind of suits like us mm -hmm. to deal with the rigors of, of the environment of space. Absolutely. Absolutely. Okay. The last ones I want to hit on here, um, just to cover this real quick for everybody. 
Um, there are some other races that are mentioned in lore. We're not going to go into them, but we just want to drop these names in your ears so you can keep your eyes and ears open for them. Doc, thanks again for the 100 bits. Oh, my God. Um, yeah, awesome, Doc. A couple of the developing races are the Orm, which we know they are a primitive race in the verse. The Asonians, which are another primitive race, and the Fares. They're uh, of an ape primate race, a primitive race. Now, the reason why we're mentioning this is because as we get ready to watch this next video from CIG, they are going to um, be talking about this. Um, so just kind of keep in mind, as we mentioned earlier, and a lot of times we just talk about the Vandul all the time or the Xi'an or whatever, but there are going to be more than what we have seen or been told yes. about in the game. So, you know, just kind of know that, they're, you know, they're, they're not telling us everything and they don't want to. They want us to explore and discover this stuff in the game. So let's go ahead and jump in. You got something to drink, something to munch on. This is going to be a great time to do it because we think you guys will enjoy this. Okay. Hi, everybody. Welcome to another episode of Star Citizen Live. This week is our Alien Week Roundtable. Uh, I'm your host, Jared Huckabee. And if you've never seen Star Citizen Live before, it's where we take about an hour out of our days at the end of a week, uh, usually on Friday. Are there any other days at the end of the week? Probably not. Uh, it's a good show already. Um, to, to basically sit here, hang out with some of our uh, Star Citizen community members. Uh, sometimes we answer questions, sometimes we explore process. Uh, uh, last week we, 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 made a, we made a ship with concept artist uh, Sarah McCullough. This week we have uh, the esteemed members of our lore team here uh, to discuss, uh, to kick off Alien Week, which is our uh, celebration of all the different cultures uh, throughout the Dr. Star Citizen Kilibus, universe. Dr. thank that, you so uh, much. Thanks for the 200 us, bits. I guess. Uh, so let's go ahead and go around the, the group and introduce our panel of guests. We'll just start in the upper what, upper left here and just go clockwise. Uh, that means, Sherry, you're up first. Uh, Sherry, who are you and what do you do for Star Citizen? Hi, I'm Sherry. I am the uh, archivist slash associate writer at Star Citizen. Um, Sorry, there's there's some voices in the background that you know you know this just happens when you're at home. Some some people are in meetings uh, yeah. at the same time that you're recording a cool video for everybody. <laughs> All right, Doc, I gotta stop the video. Thank you for the one thousand bits. <laughs> okay, thank you, Doc. But I uh, do the alien language stuff with our very talented, wonderful language contractor, Britton Watkins. Um, do space science and do the Galactopedia, which you may have heard of once or twice. Right. Uh, and I want to compliment you on your Seven Samurai poster in the back. Thanks, it's vintage. <laughs> All right, moving clockwise over. Dave, who are you and what do you do for Star Citizen? I am Dave Haddock. I'm the narrative director uh, and do a bit of everything uh probably too much um and also jared just to just to correct you i think saturday would also be another end of the week uh it's not just friday so yeah it's an option it's, a, it's an option yeah just saying if you want to get technical see i was going to compliment you on your seven samurai poster but now i'm not going to That's it's not as nice as sherry's <laughs> uh moving down clockwise will who are you and what do you do for star citizen hi i i'm will i help star citizen um, sorry, which which camera should I look at? Which this one? Yeah. Okay. Uh, yeah, I'm the lead writer here at Star Citizen. I do all sorts of narrative stuff. That's one of my favorite things about Star Citizen is narrative is everywhere. So 
yeah, we help write missions. We come up with world building stuff. We come up with cool aliens that we're going to talk about today. So yeah, it's a, it's a really great project to be a part of. Thanks Good. everyone. And uh, excellent work on your Seven Samurai poster. I think I'm thinking about upgrading to an Eight Samurai, but I'm waiting for it to come out. <laughs> and last, uh, there's Adam. All right, so uh, on the show this week, we are... No, no. Adam, who are you and what do you do for Star Citizen? <laughs> I mean, you hit it right on the head. I'm Adam, um, and I'm a writer. Uh, so I work with Dave and Will and Sherry um, on everything they just described. I support Adam them and uh, helping develop the everything we're doing, the cultures and stuff like that. So, uh, yeah, that's uh, that's about it. I feel your Seven Samurai poster is not as nice as everybody else's. I just yeah. I want to be honest. It's it's okay. It's got a big tear in it, but um, it was still nice. So, what are we doing this week? Uh, we, uh, this week is the kickoff of a of a of, of a round of festivities uh, we're referring to as Alien Week. Uh, you can learn more about everything that's going into that on the robertspaceindustries.com website. Uh, what we are doing today is we are answering your questions related to the, the lore, the history, the background of the alien races that populate the Star Citizen uh, universe. Uh, as usual, uh, we take questions from multiple sources. Uh, if you're watching live in Twitch right now, uh, you can submit your question with the word question in capital letters surrounded by brackets. Uh, you can also do so on Spectrum, our communication platform on Robert spaceindustries.com. Our community management team will use that to help pull the questions out of all the other conversation. Uh, we also put a thread up earlier in the week to collect questions and allow them to be voted up by our backers, uh, for maybe for folks who couldn't be here or just to see which ones they wanted to see <laughs> oh, answered first. So we're going to start in with those as is want to do. I do want to remind folks as you're submitting questions this week that we are here with the lore team, the story team. Uh, if, you're, if, you're, if your questions are, when is this ship coming out? Um, will we be able to play alien races in the game, which was another real popular one that came up, uh, stuff like that. Uh, these are these are not the folks for that. Will we be able to have aliens as NPCs? There were lots of great questions. Unfortunately, this is not the group for those, so keep your questions story-focused, and we should be good from here on out. The first question, the most top-voted question, was one that you could probably anticipate. Thanks, for the follow. Uh, it was simply, when, when will we find out more about the Kurthak? the most elusive of star citizens alien races yes uh at some point seven eight, eventually <laughs> yeah i i i know i know it's hard sometimes because we have all this lore that's building and you want to know everything right away but we mentioned this before but it's really trying to strike that balance between uh having fun stuff and establishing the universe now and really saving stuff to be experienced for the game in general when it comes down. So we're always trying to balance it. Whereas like, this is a really fun story we could share right now, but wouldn't it be cooler if players got the surprise of it, got to experience it for the first time in game playing it. So we, we have our secret treasure trove where we keep things hidden and safe for it. Yeah, and, and and again, there's also like we we're still kind of working our way through the the Xion and the Banu and the Tavaran and the Vandal and stuff like that. So, you know, I mean, to give some context for anyone who's unfamiliar with the Kurthak, they were they were actually originally a stretch goal, uh, which was uh, kind of funny. Uh, but um, but yeah, so they were definitely like conceived of to be a little bit further down the line. But there was also an expectation at the time of you know whether we would hit it or not. 
uh, which was, uh, uh, you know, so it, it kind of needed to have enough of a flavor when introducing it that that you kind of got a sense of how they would fit into the universe, but also give ourselves an out in case we didn't hit it. So uh, if they disappeared, you know, the universe wasn't suddenly having to rewrite itself to to factor in an alien race that suddenly was gone. Um, right. But uh, since we, we've gained quite a lot, quite a, quite a, quite a few uh, citizens since those early days. Uh, there are probably many folks who have maybe never even heard of the Kurthak. Um, I know you gave us the, the stretch goal thing, but it, it, do you remember the, 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 the blurb, the log line, uh, yeah, the primer the, for them? The original thing was that basically they were uh, sort of, they had uh, more, not mortal enemies of the, the Xi'an, but they were basically located on the opposite side of the Xi'an Empire from the UEE. So, uh, but they had been locked in a very, very, long uh war with the xion mm -hmm. called the spirit wars uh and the xion were very very cagey about telling us anything about them uh and you know really wanted to make sure that we didn't kind of make contact with them so that was that was the kind of original pitch uh set up for them All right. uh uh the question from the chat will you just reveal already that the kurthak are, are the cat people from wing commander uh, that might come from a B. Lesnick. I'm not sure. <laughs> <laughs> I doubt it because he wouldn't have called them cat people. That's that's fair. That's fair. <laughs> that's fair. That's fair. Um, ah, uh, heck. Uh, <laughs> Can I also just take the time to wish everyone a happy first contact day? So. Happy first contact day. Yeah. Uh, do you want to do you want to take a moment to explain what first contact day was? Uh, it's the day where we had first contact yeah. with. The Banu. The Banu were the first alien species that we came into contact with. It was a fun misunderstanding. Uh, you can read about it on the website, but it was, uh, a, you know, Banu out wandering around and it was very tense, but it went pretty well considering when Banu have been one of our longest and closest allies through uh, for the Empire's up and downs. Well, uh, and, I mean, to be more clear, it was A, he was running uh <laughs> was it johnny or jimmy or what was his jerry. name jerry jerry uh yeah they... and then he got shot at uh by a <laughs> jerry the banu yeah. i think if it had been any other species it might have gone quite a bit different but the the banu but, with the punchers pretty well yeah. right the banu are interstellar friends to all uh, <laughs> what can you tell us about uh, uh we, we we know about Vandal, the Vandal, the Banu, the Xion, the Tavarin, and uh, we just got done talking about the Kurthak. Uh, what can you tell us about species on developing worlds? Oh, we have a few of those. Um, for those who don't know what a developing world is or developing civilization, it's one that is inhabited by um, a species of that that is self-aware. You might you might call it sentient in some works of science fiction. They they use tools. They're like developing technology. Like they're they're moving forward onto a path that seems to indicate that one day they will join us in space. Um, and the UEE has this law in place called the Fair Chance Act that prohibits interference from any of the developed civilizations. Um, basically, this was put in place to prevent another massacre of Garen II which was a genocide of the developing species on the planet Garantu conducted by a terraforming 
terraforming company that had ties to the Imperator Linton Messer the 11th. And it was the um, the last inciting incident that led to the fall of the Messers and the end of the Messer era. Everybody so, knows yeah. the odd number Messers are the bad ones. <laughs> Just like the Star Trek movies. Hey, I will, bro- I will broach no ill speak of Star Trek 3. It's a good movie. That's Search for Spock, right? <laughs> that's Search for Spock. It's Christopher Lloyd yeah, inventing the modern day Klingon. Yeah, and they found him, so. And they found him, so mission accomplished. <laughs> It's all, it's all good. Yeah, we have a, we have a couple of developing civilizations. We have um, you might have just read about the Osoyans because I published a Galacticpedia article on them. They um, we can't get too much into their final design, but we do know that they communicate light through color displays like cuttlefish, which is fascinating and very hard for us to parse because we use our mouth parts to speak. It's like cuttlefish and I will, death punch. I will do, throw out a fun uh, behind-the-scenes trivia thing. Uh, I had actually, when I, the Asoians first appeared in the Lost Generation story, and uh, I had done a rough sketch that I, I showed to somebody on the team of what I was sort of thinking they looked like, mm. and I was told to, quote, never ever show that to the animators, end quote. <laughs> so. They would cry. Yes, uh, many a bad idea comes from me. Yes. yes. <laughs> uh, what are your thoughts on Vandal NPCs in the Persistent Universe? Watch out for them, probably. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Do not uh, interact. Yeah. Run. <laughs> yeah, it's, I guess it's a, it's sort of a two pronged question of like you know whether that's NPCs as far as like. Um, hostile forces that you could potentially come uh, across, or NPCs as like, you know, hey, there's a Vandal shopkeeper named Jerry. I was uh, going to say, that's exactly where I was going. Uh-huh. Is there a Vandal Jerry, Jerry along with a Vandal Jerry? Uh, <laughs> I mean, as it stands now, I mean, you know, the the hope is that as you start kind of getting closer to the 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 systems that are, you know, near the Vandal border, you're going to have to start dealing with them as a possible raiding force. Uh, but um you know and we've alluded in the past that there are there are certain banu that have managed to establish you know trade relations with with vandal but uh you know and 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 sort of hinted that you know there's a possibility that maybe a human could try and pull it off but as it stands now like no one's ever done it uh so good luck uh make sure you wear your armor yeah, and, and with the Vandals having clans and stuff, when we start getting to those border systems, I think, you know, you'll start seeing kind of the differences start emergencing between the different groups of Vandals you encounter, and that might take the form of, you know, actually having recognizable, we don't want them to be a unified, just yeah. faceless force that attacks you right. and, like, all that kind of stuff. So there, there will be plans to develop it, but as far as like dealing with them while the active war is going on you know i think that's going to be a, a tricky proposition for anyone in in the uee to accomplish well and also coming going off what will was saying earlier like you know there is that thing too of you know if say for example like you know we publish a thing next week that's like oh hey you know so and so found jerry the vandal and he's super friendly and stuff like that like that's not that satisfying from a player standpoint like wanting to save the development of you know where the future goes from here in the universe like you know while until players can actually start to theoretically be able to affect that change is much more dynamic and interesting it's sort of it's kind of 
kind of what you talked about before. It's there is an there there is a not insignificant amount of lore <laughs> already out there uh, for yeah. Star Citizen. Uh, and, and that said, it's still I, I understand the desire to still keep things closer to the chest. You know, uh, discovery is such a key aspect of of Star Citizen's intent, intended you know you know end game. Uh, you don't you don't want to sit there and you know spoil everything on live streams years earlier. Uh, all alien races are humanoids. How do you make them... All alien races they know about are humanoids. Uh, how do you make them different than humans? Well, I think that's a specious term, first of all. I <laughs> don't think we should be calling them humanoid. Yeah, um, bipedal or die. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, I mean, I don't know. It's, it's always that thing of the... I don't know. For me, it was it's, it's that sort of weird Species balance term. of like trying to. I mean, we, we are making a game, Five so total. there's that sort of the humans of Star Citizen, of the UEE and stuff like that. Like, you know, how does how do the Shion react with them and stuff like that? So you want to build those sorts of conflicts, and you know, uh, oh, humans believe this, so the Shion might believe that. If we want to make a little bit of kind of headbutting there, um, but um, yeah, I don't know. For me, I, you know. There's also that aspect of like trying to come up with like unique ways that they could have developed. Like writing out, actually, we did a time capsule thing for the Xi'an. Uh, so writing out their history, like big events that happened throughout their history. And, and that actually really helped kind of establish that mindset of how they would approach something as a, a completely distinct culture. Yeah, I, I think a lot of things too for me is when we start talking about them and even though their physiology may be you know right now two arms and two legs and kind of a torso and kind of a, a general shape like that I, I think a lot of the stuff that we can play with is in their senses and how they experience the world and that gives them a really different perspective on stuff from us like we really like the idea of the Banu are quite a hardy species and they can survive temperatures well in excess of what we can on both sides of the range and different atmospheres and stuff like that. And so like them kind of being a little more maybe less cautious and blundering and going forward comes as a side effect of that being, you know, hardier. And, you know, the Xi'an have a very long life and they have like duller senses. And so like this kind of more cautious approach all feeds into that. And so we try to think about how are they seeing the world and how is that different than humans as we go? So I, I think that helps me a lot as a, as a writer kind of create when I when I'm trying to think about all right, what is the Xi'an way of looking at this? What is the Banu way of looking at this? That makes sense. Um, Jared, will you marry me? Uh, depends on the dowry. Uh, make your <laughs> offers to Ulf. He's my agent. Uh, do the Banu use ground vehicles? I mean, they use they use anything that they think is useful. So I'm going to tentatively say probably. Uh, uh, yeah, yeah, just to talk about this, like, I know there's a lot of questions about wanting to expand out the alien ship, you know, thing, mm -hmm. and, and by no means the alien ships that are available for sale right now represent the full range of what alien species fly and drive around in. We, we from the narrative team, it, ships are so important to Star Citizen that we have to be very careful 
when using them like we the safer route for us is when we're talking about stuff hundreds of years ago we have a little more leeway to kind of just write for what we need mm -hmm. but when we're talking about present day stuff and what you encounter that takes a lot of coordination between us and the ship design team and so it's not something we do lightly so wondering about like oh where's the science ships how come you haven't ever mentioned the xion having a tank and like all this kind of stuff and that's kind of the reason behind there is that we really try to let them take the forward step with introducing a new ship into the universe and then we follow up so uh are there any alien musical instruments planned Ooh, have you developed question. Them? Uh, the, the question was actually uh musical instruments planned or food and we know we know all about food especially the the uh the banu, oh, talk about the food. Uh, ban banu oh we have so much food there goes yeah. the rest of the hour yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah um eventually there'll is, be a banu yeah. recipe book yeah, food is a food is a special interest of uh, Will and and me both. So we <laughs> we have spent we have spent many a uh, um, a work hour like developing the cuisine of the different alien species. Uh, look forward to learning more next week. And it's also one of these things that we have a little more liberty with as as a writing team in the game because unfortunately, yeah, we don't have a way for you to taste things uh when you click on it but music and stuff you can actually hear and someone is actually going to have to build that music the way we describe it so like in we inanimate it so we have plans and ideas for that but that'll take coordination down the road with those separate teams but food we can say this tastes like you know spicy beetles and it's and you just have to take our word for that <laughs> so yeah yeah and even though we haven't specified a specific instrument i know we have called out with the xion that they oh, they the do opera, yeah. love like a certain type of opera which you could almost compare to like very minimalist kind of like modern classical music where it's very drony and drawn out since they have long lifespans and it takes them to a meditative state so we can describe that experience and it would be like Day, a day long opera rather than like a, a four or five hour opera. So it's, uh, it, yeah, it's, uh, we have ideas for where we would like to take that and some sound, but um, again, it's not Precisely. something we would go out there and say it's got to be this Cantina. specific instrument, at least at this point. And, and we've talked a bit about the Tavarin having this kind of unified chanting system as kind of like a timekeeping and keeping everyone in lockstep kind of for their for their movements and stuff and so like yeah, bringing was, all their voices together yeah it was about kind of again because the tavarn also kind of came from a planet where they were you know besieged by a lot of predators so the idea with their music was that they would it would be a lot of like the drum circle becomes kind of the classic example but this idea that you're it's a it's about augmenting the your numbers to make it sound like it's you're a really big fearsome thing so it was that sort of coordinated like i said kind of uh rhythmic type thing to kind of amplify your size or boast about kind of the size of like you don't want to come over here there's a big thing here that will mess you up i like to imagine that the tavern can all harmonize with anyone like john denver could <laughs> yeah. so i guess the spoiler alert they are john denver <laughs> and the Banu didn't really have much of a music culture before they encountered the humans and so like they've taken yeah, they've taken to human music strongly as as it's a well-known fact that they enjoy karaoke. Um, and also because of their uh, their less sensitive hearing, they really like music cranked to 11. And so it can be dangerous to go to a, a band new concert. That's one more. Uh, 
this one seems pretty broad. Uh, tell us about Tavarin who serve in the UEEN. Are there Tavarin that serve in the Navy? Yeah, absolutely. One of the uh, the current senators um, is the first Tavarin senator elected. Uh, um, was formerly in the Navy and had kind of used had had joined the uh, the Navy to essentially earn his citizenship and then um, obviously kind of like integrate and a lot of uh, a lot of Tavarn like to join uh, the Navy or stuff like that as a way to better integrate into the society and they see it as a a ladder to maybe kind of uh, to get to better positions and stuff like that. I one of the current things in the current election cycle we're dealing with is uh, some of the candidates and their their preference to wanting to encourage more Tavaran to join uh, the armed forces and 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 stuff like that as a as a way to kind of like make for a, 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 a give them more opportunities and and kind of a more diverse uh, fighting force for the for the UEE. So there's definitely a lot out there, but I, I'm sure there's still plenty of Tavaran that have no interest in in joining or or just don't. Don't, don't see the use in it. So I, I think it's more of a personal personal choice. Yeah, there's a sort of, I mean, there's an interesting split kind of going on within the Tavarin uh, where there's a certain percentage of them are believing that they, you know, are, are trying to kind of rediscover their old ways and that they, I can't remember if they're in, I think they went to Branagh or Bremen. Yes, uh, Branagh. And, and so they've kind of formed this are trying to kind of go and isolate themselves and kind of start to resurrect kind of the old Tavarin, uh, Rajora and stuff. And then there's another group that sort of Sush Kasi, who's the senator, the Tavarin senator, is sort of spearheading of like, you know, we need to, you know, play our part. We're part of this empire. Let's act like it uh, type thing and, and really trying to inspire the Tavarin to really kind of take up their mantle as, as members of the UEE and, and really do their part. And then there's the third who kind of ignore both and are just sort of like still somewhat disaffected and, and don't want to contribute at all. Yeah, I, I think the Tavarin serving in the Navy was a, it was a big step forward for them in, in, in terms of finding their place within the empire because there was a lot of distrust at the beginning. You know, we were at war with them. They were living among us. They were kind of segregated. And, and so that opportunity when it occurred, when they made the invitation to allow Tavarin to serve, was kind of the first normalizing step um, for a lot of ways uh, of humanity kind of getting the used to idea that maybe we can trust these these people. So uh, it's kind of interesting in the historical significance of it. And it still goes on today, I think. You know, Tavarin have a reputation for being fierce warriors, so. And shedding. Uh, no, I made that one up. Uh, <laughs> this person has, has has clearly done their homework, so I'm 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 not gonna I'm not gonna I'm not gonna alter this one. I'm gonna read it just as it is. Humanity made first contact with the Banu in Davian, which is at least five jumps from Banu territory, according to the star map. The Banu in question was not an explorer, but a fugitive, which implies that he knew of those systems already, which in turn implies that other Banu knew about them. In fact, we know they must have, because of Trees, which lies clear across the star map from known Banu space, at least eight jumps by my count, and to make the trip in eight jumps from Geddon would mean going through Terra. In any case, Trees is a long way from Banu space, and, and what's between the two is mostly UE space, or what's become UE space. So the question is, if the Banu knew about all these uninhabited systems for so long, why didn't they colonize any of them? 
Uh, I'm gonna answer this. Any band who knows the answer is dead, so we'll never know. The end. <laughs> uh, for folks uh, who might not know what the context of that answer is, Sherry, what, why would any, why would the why, why do why does knowledge die with the Banu? So Banu don't really um, preserve historical records that that outline like big events that happen. It's not out of any kind of like malice for past events. It's just because they it's not useful for them to remember stuff like that. You know, like it, their their culture is centered around the present moment, like making things that have use, like tools and instructional guides. So you yeah, might, they preserve you know, knowledge. Like they so preserve like, they, yeah, they preserve knowledge. They don't preserve history. So them recording a reason like why why didn't the Banu terraform this random system? No Banu would care enough yes, to write that down. Uh, it, it, and it's kind of like, you know, the humans existing in the UE now, like they, they've kind of noticed this discrepancy of wonder themselves and try to figure it out. And, and it's one thing that it's hard to get uh, travel information from the Banu the way that we've kind of talked about them setting up their navigational is that it's very proprietary and controlled. And so like we didn't instantly get access to all the Banu star maps when we became friends with them. It's been a long overtime trading process of finally gaining access. Like you have to purchase rights to get their star map data. And a lot of them are very carefully held because people want to control trade routes. They don't want the humans coming in and, you know, doing these things. And, and, and so it's, and it's not like we can just take a Banu ship and download the information because of the way that they build their their drives. It's all hard coded into it and you can't remove it out. And so it's kind of an interesting thing where they're very protective of that information. Sort of goes back to the question from earlier about how you differentiate the alien races when they're when on a service level, they're all bipedal. You know, it's, you find ways of differentiating through their culture and through their habits. And stuff like that. So the Banu yeah. don't care oh, yeah. about history. It is a, it is a mystery. Uh, let's see. Um, how do you work to adapt or limit the lore you write into something that will become possible to actually create in the game? Uh, we do our best. Uh, uh, do you want to succeed? Yeah, yeah, conversations. I would say good communication. Yeah, where uh, we we brainstorm. You know, we and, brainstorm a lot. We also like if it seems like stuff's gonna have like gameplay implications, we will try to either get really cryptic in the stuff that we're talking about that's actually directly referencing gameplay, or uh, and as well as just reach out to the design team. Uh, you know, directors and stuff like that, and just say like, hey, he, you know, is this roughly accurate? Is this a completely f flying in the face of everything that we're heading towards? Like, we, we would try to get buy-in basically from the other team members uh, before uh, writing anything. Um, because yeah, the last thing we want to do is say like, you know, throw out something arbitrarily that has massive gameplay implications uh, and then have to walk it back. Because uh, yeah, people, read our stuff pretty pretty closely <laughs> yes well that last question evidenced enough uh a follow-up to the banu question from the chat uh if 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 banu do, don't uh uh history they don't write down history or anything uh can there be banu outlaws can you have a banu with a criminal record yes because it's still based off of like if i if i'm a banu and i steal from banu will 
Will remembers that I'm I stole from him, and so there's. Uh, I, and I would hire a security company to collect, you know, find, track down Dave. And that contract, as long as it's in existence, would mark Dave as a wanted person. But how far that knowledge spreads, you know, maybe it's kind of a personal, immediate kind of transgression. Yeah, it feels like the Banu, there, there's less of that next step with the Banu as as in they, that doesn't just become a general, you are now an outlaw for, for everyone. It's it's a very personal thing at that moment. And uh, if, if Will disappears or, or dies, that uh, Dave may no longer be a uh, considered an outlaw yeah. because no one really no one really cares. It's it's not useful to anybody else to go track him down because that uh, whatever happened there is uh, had the, no the contract, his contract with, you know, Will's contract with his marks that he hired to kill me would be annulled because Will's dead. So it's sort of. Yeah, uh, as we've talked about in the past, with sort of the the kind of inherent comedy around the humans and Banu having to constantly renegotiate their trade agreement. Because uh, yeah, good job, you passed. Uh, let's talk about the Shion. How did the Shion develop? Uh, uh, this person read that they weren't at the top of the food chain. Is that is the race that is the top of their food chain still around? That's that's really two questions. How did the Shion develop, and then is the top food is that whatever the race that was at the top the species that was well, at we, the top so we got, what thirty thousand years of history so we could, yeah, we, time yeah we got a very long time so like <laughs> i i personally have always imagined that the xian were not self-aware while they were were prey, prey animals like they maybe maybe in their like early days when they were starting to develop tools the um the predator animals that used to hunt them down and kill them all the time were around and so that's part of the reason why they developed tools and banded together in groups like this this active predation helps them develop as an actual civilization and so i also like to imagine that once they banded together and had tools to get rid of their predator um species they just got they just got rid of them like they, I don't believe that at that time the predator species were self-aware like the Xi'an were. Right. Yeah, I would also think the the long lifespan of a Xi'an would probably benefit them because they it there's so much knowledge that they can acquire and then kind of grow over over the 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 few hundred years they're living. So, yeah, it, uh, I could see them very quickly assessing and understanding the the apex predators around them and how to either avoid them or overcome them. I could I could see them having them like still around as like a zoo type thing of showing like how far we've came like we're not afraid of this um, elephant tiger bat anymore. Um, that's don't that's they not live in the Avatar universe. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, like they actually have them on the zoo planet. The zoo, like, yeah, keep yeah. them in the preserve. Okay. Yeah, I mean we have the Santo Kiai, uh That's a super scary. Uh, creature that used to drop down from the trees and kill the heck out of Xi'an. So that, that guy's still around. Yeah, and they named a ship after him. Yeah. <laughs> like, to see, like, haha, now we control the Santo Kiai. Suck it. <laughs> Don't know why I, I yield my time. I yield my time. <laughs> yeah, maybe uh, maybe that would be, like, the real baller, like, Xi'an move is to have, you know, one of those on your compound as a pet. Kind of oh, yeah. fancy collar, yeah. The, the sort of like Pablo Escobar having hippos yeah. and tigers yeah. and let's, yeah. let's, let's, tiger emperor. Let's move along. Oh, okay. 
Uh, how did humans learn to communicate with the Banu they met during first contact? Uh, it was a really long process. It was, uh, I think it was Sokolovich, Neil Sokolovich was the general in charge, uh, but it was a month, several months of them working with the, the Banu. Uh, wait, sorry, Banu or Xion? Uh, which one's which was the one for first contact, Banu, right? Banu, yeah, 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 Banu. yeah. Okay, uh, yeah, but it was a it was a long, a very long, weird, arduous process. Uh, but, but yeah. many xenolinguists gave up their lives to deliver this information. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> is is there a character in our lore named after Britain? Not uh, yet. I do want to cast him as like the um, you know, if we have like a. a in lore language tutor, sort of like the Ros a Rosetta Stone instructor, would be my 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 goal. The Britain Stone. Yeah, basically. <laughs> uh, unless he has a preference of what he would like to appear as, but that would be my. Uh, for those who maybe don't know and just heard a name come out of nowhere, and you're like, "Woo!" Uh, Britain uh, Watkins is our official Xeno linguist uh, for for Star Citizen. And the I recommend watching his how to. Uh... Speak Xi'an videos. That yes. is yeah. for us. He also actually good. has a, a, a documentary too on yeah. instructed language. It's awesome. Uh, speaking of language, uh, some games allow for player characters to slowly learn alien languages to find ruins faster and understand artifacts for better rewards, ship items, etc. With the growing library of languages for the Vanduul, the Xi'an, and the Banu, what are your plans for integrating these languages into the game? Uh... I mean, the you know, as outside of like just sort of pure environmental stuff. I mean, we started to kind of actually we have started integrating them in. Like, I believe we have Banu mm -hmm. stuff on the some of the food vendor carts and and stuff yeah. like that. Um, yeah, we have Banu and Xi'an signage and. Um, Area eighteen has a. Bunch. Yes, I was, I was I was just like, oh god, are they up yet? <laughs> uh, but yeah, I mean, again, it's. I think it's a. You know, the way we'd always been kind of talking about it. Again, like we'll see. You know, as as they come more online. Uh, you know, I believe the early conversations was always like, you know, if you take the time to learn this this stuff, that it will, you know, open up some some possibilities and and kind of facilitate some some kind of cool stuff, and you might get to kind of navigate some social minefields that other people might fall into because they're not familiar with the language. But but it was also trying to balance it because we don't want to be punishing to people who don't have time to learn an alien language. Like that seems kind of unfair to me because right. I'm terrible. I barely speak English. Uh, and so it's like, you know, making it fun for the people and rewarding them for for learning Xi'an, which is impressive, uh, but not being too crushing to people who haven't or make the game unplayable right. to people who haven't. I, I, that's I, I, I could see a mission that doesn't require you to have to read Banu to complete it, but a secondary objective, like an optional objective that would benefit you more if you could. Yeah. Kind of thing. Or like you, 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 you can read the signs on the ruins and it'll take you down a different path or something like that, that, you know, still leads to the same place, but maybe you get quicker or something. I don't know. Yeah. We also have to figure out how kind of our, you know, 30th century tech ties into this because, you know, we're, we're talking about how your last kind of AR ties into the world around you and what information you're going to be getting for identifying stuff and whether, like our whole idea is that if we do end up having automatic translation happening through your Glass, that it's rough. Like 
it is the the bare yeah. bones like seventy percent accurate type. Thing. You know, trying to do a translation online in like nineteen ninety nine right. kind of level of yeah. translation. Maybe so, it just translates the words in the order that they're written, but since it doesn't translate the grammar, it's like yeah, that box you're, you're missing out. Big. You're missing out on the nuance, which which I, might give you some a leg up. Uh, I we haven't talked with the design team yet about the idea that there would be a skill that you could acquire where it's like I know Banu now and it like translates it differently or something like that that's kind of a I I don't know where we would fall on that yeah. so I want to make sure that folks heard the part we have not talked to design about that <laughs> just, just before I mean we could just be flashing the various account. summaries that come <laughs> This is all. Part. This is all speculation. These are all cool ideas. You don't have like a pop up, Jared. You can just hit like a Chiron that just sort of like flashes. <laughs> of, like, have not talked to design. That just kind of. We are not describing actual gameplay. <laughs> There's so many things I'd like to say right now. <laughs> uh, sometimes my life is not my own. Uh, let's see. Is there anything you can tell us about our beloved Jerry? Hey, a question about Jerry, the band who involved in first contact. Come on, we have some deep-seated backstory for yeah, Jerry, don't we? Deep love for Jerry. Uh, no, actually, we don't. Uh, I mean, just outside of the fact that he he was on the run from from some some Banu, that's why he came across uh, Vernon Tar. Uh, but uh, yeah, I don't think I don't think we've ever really delved it's, too deep into him. It's definitely a good uh, short story candidate, maybe for something for us fun Banu to Jerry. do in the in the future. Yeah. Yeah, as we've been further developing the Banu species in general, I think it's helped kind of bring a few more specifics. So now that we've kind of honed that in a little bit, it might be a good time to to revisit and provide a little more color to, to his journey and a little more context. Um, you should yeah. be like a you should be like a con, a con artist trying to sell fake alien relics for alien species that doesn't exist. Yeah, it, it sort of seems like th that would probably not be too far from the truth that he would be doing something yeah he was, he was selling fake you know ship reg tags or something like that or or timeshares uh, in boca <laughs> <laughs> timeshare in pyro <laughs> or, or null or something like that um the uh cathcart cuisinarts um <clears throat> we heard that the banu trade with even the van van duel how did that come about does anybody remember? Great questions. <laughs> there, it's one of those proprietary information things where they don't want us to necessarily also have trade with the Van Duel, um, where if it's a money revenue stream that they have complete control over now, so they're not exactly breaking it down. They're also not exactly advertising it. It's more just kind of like inferred from the fact that you know maybe you'll see a banu selling vandal made items and you're like how did you get those and he's like i got them <laughs> <laughs> they gave them to me for yeah. money you got them from jerry so, so yeah so so we do know from context that they are perceivably have some kind of connection with them but it's unclear what it to what extent or how they did it uh is there anything you can share about the native species of the Hades system? Um, they're dead. They are dead. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Do you want to give some back context to to what this person's referring to? They died. No, the Hadesians we're <laughs> talking about now, about Hades. Uh, yeah, so, the, so for, for those who don't know, the Hades system is basically, it's, they it's are dead, kind of a wrecked 
totally wrecked system. There's a, a planet that's been cracked in half. It's basically the only thing that uh, humanity sort of learned about it. It's like <laughs> somebody used to live here a while ago, and they messed each other up pretty bad uh, to the point where they basically presumably wiped themselves out. Uh, We've all had that roommate. Yeah. Some uh, the, of those still do. <laughs> Are you talking about toast? No. <laughs> wow. He's got a sword, Jared. And he watches the show. <laughs> Hi, Toast. <laughs> we'll just move on. Uh, do the Tavarans speak their own language, or do they now speak human? Or common human languages? Common languages. Common. Well, um, it it depends on where you are in the universe. I, I, I there are some some Tavern enclaves outside of the UEE that would certainly still preserve the language, but most of the Tavern that were absorbed in the UEE when they got rid of their culture, they most likely they threw away their language too. They're just like, this is shit. This didn't serve us well. This none of this protected us when it counts. So why should we still bother to use it? I mean, again, I yeah, I don't know. I mean, I think it's it might be one of those things that. We once we get the language kind of online, we we kind of figure it out. Because at the same time, like I definitely that they were like you know screw Rajora, it was useless, it was stuff. But it still feels like there to me that there'd be still patches of like the language is still kind of survived because that was just their way of yeah, communication. It's, it's, it's out tiger. there. Yeah, definitely, yeah, definitely, definitely, definitely in Brana. Yeah, definitely in yeah. Brana. Like probably the more like like you said the yeah the the ones who were trying to resurrect kind of the old Tavarn ways would probably adhere more to it, but. Uh, I think yeah. there's definitely been renewed interest in recent time. Sorry, Adam, yeah. go for it. Oh, yeah, no, I'm, I was just, uh, it's been like 300, 300 plus years since the end of this, the the second Tavaran War and the species officially being integrated into the UEE. So that's, in, in that amount of time, you can see the language has probably dropped off a lot, but it's still not so old that it's not like Latin where it's completely lost. There are still probably people that have been been speaking it and keeping it alive. And yeah, I believe there is a, a bit of a resurgence right now. I mean, uh, at I, least in the world. One thing that would be really fun, you know, I mean, once we start kind of tackling the the, the language itself, would be to have the kind of similar what you said with with Latin, like that it's patchwork integrated into sort of human common that or the that you might get words that carry over they might still speak kind of a dialect of it that's that's a bit more kind of integrated to kind of so the language of the Tavarin is more an assimilated UEE standard old Tavarin and then you have the purists who are back to Rajor speaking pure Tavarin which is like this the broken one but a little bit more kind of refrained but just to give it that sort of sense of like even their language is sort of assimilating into english uh or the ue standard um based on yeah yeah with the with the big rejection in that whole period of time i think there's a large population of the tavaran who only speak ue standard like that's it. That's that's their language. And now you start getting people maybe who grew up only speaking standard who are like, I would like to connect more with my my past. I'm going to take a, a class to try to learn how to speak Tavarn again. And, and to Adam's point, it's real interesting because this isn't like a lost language like we've encountered where we don't understand ancient Greek because we have recordings like we encountered them in a digital age. So there's yeah. like well documentation on on mm -hmm. this language. 
You know, yeah, and even though even though they did purge their culture after the Second Devaran War and tried to clear a lot of that out, yeah, there'd still be a digital record. And the Kabul system was recently discovered, which a, bond, a bunch of ancient Devaran artifacts yeah, yeah. there. So that's always a well we can go to and say, you know, like the the, the language or things that might have been lost uh, have been refound here. Yeah, and from a linguistics perspective, 600 years is a very long time. Like, we don't speak the same language. Uh, like, we speak English right yes. now, us, us here, but English 600 years ago did not sound like this. Yeah. So, like, the Teverin that exists now, even if there was an unbroken chain from the Teverin on Khalith to the Teverin on Brana, they're not going to speak the exact same language yeah. just because of how language changes. Yeah, you can't uh, read uh, the uh, Canterbury uh, Tales right now. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's like, <laughs> Wanda Dapriu, the shore, Sota. The drop that marched past it to Rota and fired every vein in Swish the Kur of which Vertun. Anyway, come back. <laughs> well, and I've seen the conversation on, on, on Spectrum about people being like, well, in 29, you know, 50, humans would not be sounding anything like we like, right. we, our writing is pretty present. We, we have chosen not to do like some authors do that really cool thing where they create, you know, almost an entirely new language to show how different it's come over the hundreds of years and that's probably that, that might be more accurate but Once yeah but we we definitely you know have gone for more of a stylized version of the future yeah. so um because yeah, i guess i know similar to like the the it's a style the stylistic choice of like the no ai thing like it was sort of a choice to make it not that sort of very you know unusual sounding uh, English language to keep it conversational so it still sounds grounded and real to us as players uh, rather than trying to accurately depict or predict what you know English will evolve to or various languages will evolve to in 900 years which right. I do not have the brain capacity for yeah like like when you're watching a movie and everyone's Russian and you're like, why are they speaking with British accents? It's one of those suspension of disbeliefs in order to be able to tell the story. Right. So, um, I kind of follow me up on that. Disbeliefs in order to be able. To... The, the 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 question is: how, is do you plan to flesh out multiple religions for each race, similar to humans? I want to tweak that a bit. How do you how do you not go down the rabbit hole? Like, how do you know how far you're supposed you you're supposed to go with this stuff before you're like, all right, this isn't the core central thing of the entire game here. It's you know, come back. I've got a lot of oh. other things to do. <laughs> how, how how do you how do you manage not just falling down the rabbit hole in any of these one things? Who says we ever left the rabbit hole? <laughs> <laughs> wow. <laughs> uh, it's a lot of it comes from need, like maybe we start with the base supposition <laughs> of like they have a lot of religions like with the banu we said they they're going to have a lot of different belief systems that they try to incorporate in and that's enough for us to start going on and then we start filling that in as we need it so talking about like the god of luck is a very important one and so we've learned a little bit more about how that works um or we decide that they're a little more monotheistic and like you know, like the Tavarin had this major belief that was instilled as part of their culture and that's kind of surmounted, like it was part of their identity. And so that focused it in. So I think it's usually like that. Like we can say, like even for the human stuff, like there's a bunch of sports, like humans play a bunch of different sports, 
but we talked about that of all like <laughs> you know it's just it, we just have to pick and choose our battles and a lot of times it's it's that need i'm writing this thing right now and i need more detail about this so i'm going to dive into it because otherwise you'll just go crazy you can just sit it's, forever thinking of bands for hundreds of years and like, yeah and i think it's also one of those things i always kind of try to equate a lot of this to, to um to drawing a picture where you draw in the sort of like block shapes to, to block out your composition mm-hmm. and your sizes and your framing and, and stuff like that. And then, and then you, you fill in the refine details down, as you yeah. go and you refine down, uh, as you, yeah, as you it need is, it, as opposed to like starting really detailed and trying to do a picture, it'll take you forever. It's like, you kind of get what you need to get you through and sell what you're trying to sell. Uh, you know, as far as a flavor or a location or something like that. And, you know, and then just kind of move forward because again, there's so much stuff to cover that like, you know, hopefully as we are moving down, we're still filling in all these little getting specific on stuff because we go, Oh, we need a new, you know, Tavarin. I don't want, you know, I have this, uh, Banu and I don't want him to worship Terranin. So I want him to do a new God. So I got to come up with a new God. I don't know what the hell that was, but, uh, <laughs> uh, but that's it. So now we have Dark a second side. one that we can swap in there and stuff. Right. So it's, uh, yeah, it's just about kind of, kind of trying to keep moving forward. I I think this is a really interesting difference between the kind of nonlinear storytelling we do and a more traditional linear storytelling, where if you know exactly where you're walking and where you go, you can fill in a lot of detail on that path so that your character goes to this one bar and has this one drink and you can describe the full history of that. But with us covering anyone can do so many different things it becomes a lot harder to have that kind of controlled and level of detail so like you know dave's analogy was great for that kind of high level you know rough sketch and then filling it in the details as we go okay. um are those two two cans on your shirt uh yes okay one two <laughs> um how let me see what I was really got. Uh, do I really have the uh, Canterbury Tales memorized in the Old English? Yes. And because I make bad bets. <laughs> see, not shaving until 3.0 comes out. <laughs> when I commit, I commit, people. Uh, how developed are the developing species, such as the Asoans? So we talked about them a little earlier. Uh, will we have cities? Will they, will they have cities and forms of transportation? Uh, or... How de- how developed is developing? I mean, again, originally the the idea was that they were it was anything kind of below spacefaring. Uh, that the idea that the Fair Chance Act was you know everyone is going to you know all the cultures are going to leave this this species alone until they basically take off and go, get into space and then they'll be basically met by you know uh, some vandal uh, a kid. Um, but and then they can be sort of integrated into the galaxy as a spacefaring species. Uh, but now that we're sort of able to do full planetary exploration, which again back in t- 2012 was a dream, uh, you know, I think we're probably going to shave it down. I don't know. It's an interesting question. It feels like it's easier to make it not as make them not as developed technologically so it's easier to just make a world and then it's just a, a type of creature that's sort of running around on the surface of the world rather than like having to develop architecture or vehicles or stuff like that it's like they were in the 1800s or equivalent of our 1800s type thing so uh, i don't know it's going to be an interesting 
question. The, the fair chance to act overall is very interesting to me because I don't think it's not everyone agrees with it. Like there's some people who think it's mean not to lift up a developing species. If we yeah. have like medicine and they're suffering from a disease, is it really right that we don't help them? So like that's one of the science fiction kind of stories that I, I'm really fascinated by and I hope we get a chance to explore that more as we go. Yeah, there's um a developing there are a few developing species in the Genesis system. There's um a group of cephalopod like species who are just beginning to explore the surface of their world and they have engaged in warfare with a land dwelling species who doesn't like them and the people who are observing are like ethically should we interfere in this because there's a good chance that one could wipe the other out and does that violate the tenets of the fair chance act on its own because it's an it's a very murky issue lots right. of interesting perspectives you're in the ue senate Bill comes up to eradicate the Fair Chance Act. Do you vote to keep it or get rid of it? I would keep it. Dave? I'd keep it. Will? Uh, man, I would modify it. <laughs> <laughs> I just... But basically, I would acknowledge that these are claimed planets that we don't have a right to, but I, I would probably push for opening contact with these species. All right, but the bill the, the bill up for vote is just to abolish it, not to amend it. Do you keep it or do you abolish it? Because uh, abolishing it is the can, next step to changing it? Like, no, I would keep it until I can introduce a new law. Okay. <laughs> Adam? Thanks for the follow, Lord UW. Uh, I, I, I would keep it, All right. personally. Yeah. Um, I, I, but I would point out the Fair Chance Act, you know, doesn't just um, apply to developing species. It can also affect like mining rights to certain areas and stuff like that. So, um, yeah, if, if a species is developing, they don't want people up in the asteroid belt or going down to the planet to pull out these valuable resources and potentially mess with any of the species Ooh. there. So there's even one candidate in the current <laughs> uh, final five of the imperator election, Paul LaSalle, who one of his core campaign promises is to basically revisit the Fair Chance Act as a way to open it up for miners to be able to maybe use new technologies or access certain areas of the empire that were previously off limits. So there is a there is a pro-business stance too. It's like maybe it needs to be refined because we can do this in a better way that can benefit both humanity, uh, you know, and the UEE and the economy without necessarily affecting the development of these species. So there's lots of different areas that it does split up uh, into. Yeah. Uh, were the Xi'an actually willing adversaries in the, in the Cold War, or was it just the Messers using a, a conveniently scary neighbor as a means of controlling the empire? Someone's done the reading. <laughs> I'd say uh, a little of both. Yeah. I mean, it, it, you know, we, the what kicked it all off was basically some human terraformers came charging into a system and just started terraforming a planet without checking to see if it was uninhabited. Uh, so that doesn't send a great message. Uh, so there was definitely some antagonism from the, the Xi'an. Uh, uh, on the flip side, what's the most petty or silly situation where the Xi'an would use anti-grav technology to solve a problem? <laughs> <laughs> do, 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 do we need to set up the Xi'an's uh, 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 admiration for anti-grav, or is that self-explanatory at this point? Uh, no, I mean they're they're highly developed. Uh, have they have 
really good anti-grav tech. Uh, a lot of the human knowledge of anti-gravity comes from our uh, contact with Xion and their technology. Um, I almost I almost want to say that in their time, their development timeline, like they came up with that before they came up with space travel. Uh, yes, like I believe so. Yeah, they're they did. Real, they're real good at it. So, what would be the most petty or silly situation they'd use any gravity <laughs> for? Um, let's see. Uh, my idea is that so they use anti grav at the dinner table, <laughs> so to, to like levitate tables and levitate chairs. So uh, if uh, Xi'an comes to join the big family meal and she finds that there's no chair, she just like whip out an anti-grav device and kind of hover there. <laughs> like uh, like those extending seats that people bring to just sit back. Okay. We have talked about like their, their kind of like ancestral clothing, these really like ornate outfits. So it'd be funny to me if something got like a really heavy outfit that has a bunch of intricate things sewn into it that they use a little helper device when they're walking around so they don't get weighed down. <laughs> All right. Uh, we are just about out of time. Uh, so oh, no. A couple quick ones here. With the 2950 elections coming around, what are the candidates' feelings towards the way Tavarin within the Empire have been treated? That's your quick last question? Jeez. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. All right, you, you want to do that? I'll, gotta, I'll do it. No, 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 we can do it. I just don't. Yeah. No, 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 no. You're gonna get a, you're gonna get a bad one next because of that. <laughs> Adam, go. You're 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 the most fluent. In, in yeah, um, it's it varies. Most of them like would like to kind of like better integrate them into the or at least are going to put forward the idea that they want to be better integrated in, into the empire because Su Koji has become a senator because there does seem to be a rise of uh, people of, of Tavarn kind of rediscovering the culture. So they're trying to appeal to that voter base. Um, uh, a lot of the more extremist views on Tavarn and human alien species didn't make it into the final five. Though there's people out there that like to see it. I think the closest maybe like Paul Asal who thinks they deserve equality, but not special treatment is kind of his stance on it. Yeah, um, both both Leilani Addison and Mira Nyo have, have called out specifically that they would probably create programs that would um, aim to better integrate the Tavarin into the empire. Uh, Mira Nyo, I think, would even want to set like a certain percentage of each each UE office would to ha had to have, let's say, 10% uh, Tavarin working in it as a way to integrate their ideas and their influence into the UE. So um, there are some people that, if anything, are going to be more proactive about trying to get them to participate. Uh, those, those, there's no bad will in these final five candidates. If anything, they're just would raise their hands and be like, they can lift themselves up by their own bootstraps and they have the same opportunity as anybody else if they if they, if they want right. to try to achieve that. All right, the Not only bad my vote. here. Yeah. Oh. Uh, <laughs> all right, this last question is exclusively for Will. Uh, oh. ple please do your best Banu impersonation. Oh, hello. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's it. That's about what I've come to expect. Oh, that worked for me. Yeah. All right, guys. Yeah. <laughs>
Thank you so much for joining us here on Star Citizen Live Alien Week Roundtable. I uh, hope you enjoyed the, our conversation about the lore, the history, the background of some of Star Citizen's alien races uh, set to populate the Persistent Universe. As, as we have been doing the last couple of weeks, we are going to send the raid on over to another Star Citizen streamer. I'm being told it's UberNerd. So we are going to raid UberNerd today. Uh, so you should see that prompt coming up if you're watching live. Uh, you can opt in for that. Uh, tell them Molly says hi. And uh, for Star Citizen Live, I'm Jared. Uh, let's see if I can get directions. That's Sherry. That's Dave. That was Will. That's Adam. And uh, we'll see you next week, everybody. Take care. Bye. 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 Thanks so much. <sighs> okay. We took it in an SCL, one hour long SCL gang. Um, uh, Fast Cart, let me ask you if there was one thing out of the show uh, that stuck with you in relation to this whole alien thing. Was there something that stuck out for you? Um, I want to do my best Cree talk impersonation. Jive Turkey? No. Um, <laughs> I have. I, I took. I took down note. Um, let me see. With the much lore they had, they are deep in the rabbit hole. They said that they're not. That they try to avoid the rabbit hole. Have you seen how much lore they wrote? Yeah. They, they've written already. Yeah. I think they're deep in the, in the rabbit hole. Mm -hmm. Okay, Kimmy. Anything for you stuck out in particular? Uh, two components. Uh, I'll make it quick. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> One. Right. <laughs> two main components that stuck out, but you know, gameplay-wise, uh, expect to find. Uh, creatures and life forms just life period expect the worlds to be fully fleshed out with life also in regards to uh civiliz civilization and aliens itself uh whether they're there or not expect to to interact with um items that are not in our uh what is it where you can buy these items mm -hmm. you're gonna have you're gonna find real items that's not for sale in the game mm -hmm. So not not planet destroying <laughs> weapons, but uh, some some very unique alien type based technology that mm -hmm. could bear you a wealth as far as whether you want to keep it or not or sell it. Mm -hmm. And the other component, the de game development side, that's the other component is the fact that alluding to what Fast Card said, um, the lore team has a lot of work to do in regards to. Uh, really categorizing these these sentient and non-sentient creatures and what they are what they are a, a story behind them but like you said fast card not going so far into the rabbit hole about where they are uh, as far as their development where they're from just keep it simple in, in in that in that aspect because now the devs are now getting together these creatures that we have to start well they have to actually put into the game and so the lore team has got to work with them hand in hand to flesh out the systems and the aliens along with uh, all that development together. So they're going to be busy. I want to change my answer. I'll, I'll keep it quick, though. Sure. Uh, you how, I, I, how the fair chance act oh, affect mining rights. That, 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 that was an important, mm. important one. Yeah. Does not apply to piracy. <laughs> well, you know, it, it's interesting. I, I'm, I'm kind of want to catapult off what both of you guys said um, because we kind of opened the show up talking about what happens when we go somewhere that's not UEE 
and we decide to impact that area in some form, whether it's setting up residences, whether it's mining, if there are, because one of the examples they gave was one particular race where these miners went in and started mining. They didn't know that that planet or that moon, whatever, was occupied and it created tension. Uh, I'm curious to know whether or not that's going to be something that we'll have to worry about in game. You know, you go somewhere, you think you've scanned it, you don't think there's any life there. Uh, you start mining and all of a sudden the big crab comes out of the ground and says, what are you doing on my planet? You know, I'm just kind of curious <laughs> if that's going to be yeah. a scenario. I'm, I'm, I'm really yeah. curious. And, and then and then you say, ooh, lunch. <laughs> oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks for dropping in for lunch. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, it was interesting, too, to see how they talked about the Fair Chance Act. You know, that some of them felt that it should stay in place. Some of, you know, some of us would call it from Star Trek, the prime directive kind of thing. And they talked about that yes. in the beginning they kind of said as long as they weren't spacefaring if they were below spacefaring then they considered them evolving but they said now that the universe has gotten bigger and things have grown they may have to go back now and start breaking that down into maybe some different categories because it's too broad now because you have everything from the amoeba all the way to the you know the race that's possibly about ready to go into space and i'm sure they want to have some better categories because again i'm i'm kind of curious as to what is that you know what will be that crossing we talked about earlier, when is someone moved from creature to entity? You know, I'm curious as to where we will see that. If we, yeah. and, and not trying to be funny, but our human race is very much into, if it don't look like us, shoot it. I mean, that's kind of how we are. Or, doesn't it, or if they don't speak English. Yeah, right. If they don't speak or, I mean, whatever it is, right. Yeah, I mean, as long as they, if they're not like us, then, you know, they're, they're maybe less than us for some people. So I'm really curious when we go in. And, you know, you know the old saying, don't run up on the wrong one. You know what I'm saying? I mean, you might run up on the wrong one that you think ain't all that great. For those of you who watched um, uh, The Mandalorian Friday, you'll know what I'm talking about because uh, the humans almost got wiped out. So, you know, spoilers. Oh, no, I'm just saying the humans almost got wiped out, you know, depending on who you run up against. So I'm yeah. just I'm just saying, you know, I really have to wonder when yes. we go into these different worlds. What CIG will have in store for us? I mean, it's nice that we know about the Xi'an and the the Karthak and the uh, the, the Vanduul. But I guarantee you, there's going to be something else out there. Do you guys remember? And I guess for any of you guys into Star Trek, you'll remember this. Do you remember when they ran into was it Species Four Seven Five, whatever the heck those were in Voyager? Four, four, four Five Seven. Four, remember that? Yeah, remember that. Now everybody thought the Borg was the baddest dudes in town, and then they ran into some alien grace that was able to trans transphase between galaxies or what? I mean, they, these jokers were bad. You, we mm -hmm. don't know wow. what. These folks in Star Citizen with the lore team, and they've said it. They said, we've got some stuff we kept in our secret treasure chest that we aren't letting out. And as much as we want to know some of this stuff, I mean, I'm looking forward to the fact that there's going to be some things out there that, you know, we're going to run into. It, and what do you do when you've got no lexicon, yeah. when the Galactopedia don't help you? You know, what yeah. do you do when yes. you run into it, you know? Yes. And you said, Griff, you said out there. But I also I want to segue off of that and say in there as well. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I Meaning agree. the oceans. I oh yeah, but I knew exactly. They're gonna open up going. the oceans, everybody. Oh yeah. Don't sleep on that. They're gonna open <laughs> up oceans. So out there and in there mm -hmm. or down there. <laughs> <laughs> no, that's a good and like space. No one can hear you scream. <laughs> yeah, by the way, I think I think the boy went downhill when we met um what's his name? Hugh or Hugh? Remember him? Yeah, I remember oh, yeah. Hugh. Yeah, Hugh. Yeah. yeah, so so ever since then, when they humanized the Borg, th th that's when they became 
Last of Us Threat. They had to invent a new one, and that's when the four, four five popular. seven came, man. It became too popular. Yeah, yeah. No, that's an inter- interesting point. Um, so yeah, we we've uh, taken in a lot of stuff. Admiral Admiral says he has a question. What was his question? Are you talking about the dinosaurs Voyager ran into? Or the ones that were, yeah, the ones that were kicking the Borg's butt. Yes, that's oh, who wow. we're talking about, Admiral. Yeah, the one where the Borg were even having issues with them. That's the that's the ones that I'm thinking about. Nice. Uh, <laughs> the enemy of my enemy is my friend. <laughs> Absolutely. How, how many of us are expecting to see apex predators in the floating um, spaceship graveyards mm. out there in space? Mm. Are, are, are we all on the same page to expect that? I'm, I am. I mean, again, there's so much, uh, you know, space is such a big place, Kimmy, right? And and God only knows what we're going to find. I think that's one of the arrogant sides of us. When we go somewhere, we kind of think we know it all. But, you know, we haven't run into, I mean, there's so many type of things they could create, right? I mean, just using yes. fiction, just past fiction, everything else we heard. I mean, everything from telepathic beings, you know, uh, telekinesis, all types of stuff that they could introduce into the game that we Wait. are not prepared to deal with right. or approach. Because look, look at our reality. Wait. With space travel, there are, you know, we have the concept in our minds, nothing can survive without a suit. Now, mm. when, you, when we talk about Star Citizen, they've already debunked the, the, that, that possibility or that incapability yep. because the, the Vandal can exist without a suit. Space whales. Space whales. Yep, that's right. Can, yes. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I just want to say one thing. If I can yes. meet Deanna Troy in space, sign me up. Oh, from the new you know generation? You, you know what, Kimmy? Kimmy, please, <laughs> oh, you Kimmy, please put him dog. in an airlock. Please put him in an airlock. <laughs> you <Kimmy>. alien <laughs> horn dog. Just put him in an airlock. You are the Captain Kirk of, of, of uh, Star Citizen Fast Car. Oh, my God. I'll take Your that. middle name is that. Kirk. <laughs> Fast Kirk cart. <laughs> oh, my God. Oh, my God. He likes some green, blue, yellow, purple. <laughs> you guys, please forgive. Please forgive Fast Kirk, guys. He doesn't do that. He is he Kirking do out better, tonight. <laughs> you right. and Kirk, you should not hang out. There will be no women left in, 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 in the verse between you two. <laughs> All right. Well, Moving on. Yes. Oh, um, my God. We hope that you enjoyed our conversation on aliens this week, folks. Uh, we appreciate you guys hanging out with us and all the great comments that you guys have thrown in uh, for the subscriptions, for the follows, for the bits. Uh, you guys are always really supportive of yeah, us. You guys are a pleasure. Appreciate it. Yeah, we appreciate it. Uh, next week, there's going to be an interesting show. Other than, you know, we got you guys know we already do our Friday Night Live, Night Live. on Friday. Uh, Kimmy and Fast Cart were on this past week, and they had some good questions with uh, Tessa D and Captain Kusanagi. Hey, Captain, we know you're out My there. Admiral. And Admiral. They, uh, Admiral. Why am I saying Captain? Lord, Admiral Kusanagi. I'm sorry. <laughs> I didn't, mean to, I didn't mean to lower your rank, Admiral. My, my apologies. <laughs> please, your rank. What did you do? Please forgive me. I didn't mean to lower your rank. Uh, JJ, what's going on? Um, but next week we're going to be doing a show on support ships. And this is something that we haven't heard a lot of people talk about in Star Citizen. You know, all those ships that we look at for support, things like the Vulture, the Vulcan, uh, the Argo ships, things like that, the SRV. We're going to be kind of covering those next week and talking about what is their real place in Star Citizen. Because some of us have bought them. A lot of us have bought them as tokens. (laughs) But... Uh, <laughs> will they serve a purpose later? Will you regret that you got rid of that SRV? <laughs> oh, fast card. I saw that, Kimmy. Right, will uh, will will uh, will some of you uh, regret 
that you got rid of that Argo personnel or whether you got rid of your SRV. Nah, you say nah. Okay, well, we'll see. I think there's going to be some good conversations around those ships next week. So anyway, Kimmy, let everybody know where they can find you, please. Wow. Thanks, uh, Griff. Uh, mm -hmm. Guys, gals in chat, uh, you're going to find me on Twitch. I'm uh, streaming Star Citizen basically exclusively, right? Whether it's uh, doing uh, joystick setups, questioning Q&A on that, just flying around the verse, enjoying the, the sights and scenery. Also, uh, really starting to get involved in a lot of PvP and dogfighting with the dual sticks. So uh, come on in, hang out, uh, check me out. I'm there for you. Mm-hmm. Tell them what's your, what's your name on uh, Twitch? Uh, I am Kimmy65, just as it says down here and in the links. Uh, Kimmy65, Twitch awesome. TV. Awesome, awesome. Fastcard, how about you? Uh, people can find me on Twitter.com, for slash fast, underscore cart. I'm on Miss Hart's 80 show on Tuesday, 8 p.m. Eastern. Uh, don't forget there's a time change, so one hour, one hour later on U2C now. I'm um, also on Table of Horrors on Wednesday and Friday. Wednesday and Friday. Oh, we have a show on Friday the 13th. I'm not sure if we're going to do anything special on the sofa out there. And I'm on here and occasionally on Friday Night Live. And Griffin Gaming RPG, you guys can find me here. If you guys were getting frame drops tonight, I think it's Twitch, so please forgive us because I know I had to refresh my browser multiple times tonight. I don't know what was going on. Some people over the weekend, I know uh, when I was on Paul's show the other day, they were having some problems too. So I don't know if Twitch is just- I've been having problems for like a week. Yeah, so yes. guys, it's... forgive us if it was something goofy because on our end, things were running smooth, Twitch. but I got about 51,000 frame drop rates that popped up through Twitch tonight. Now that's very unusual. We normally don't have that happen. So hopefully What's you guys were able on? to follow the show well. But uh, again, try to tune in with us on Fridays at 11.30 p.m. Eastern time for Friday Night Live. Or also tune in next Sunday for our ship, support ship show, the Starship show on support ships. Uh, we are going to, awesome. we are going to raid Maddie Larusso's talk show. It's called Larusso's Lounge. You guys make sure you all give a shout to them. Uh, I think Maddie Larusso's there, and the Chody is there. Give them a shout. Send them some love. Watch them for a little bit. Put some time on their clock for them. And as always, we appreciate you guys. So tonight. Signing off for Fast Cart, signing off for Kimmy and myself. Love, peace, and soul. We'll see you guys Get a next toy. week. Call me. We'll see you guys next week. Take care.